This is Judith Lay welcoming you to Manx Radio and to the podcast of this week's edition of At Your Service. Manx Radio. On the programme this week, slaying a giant and sharing wisdom and music from a gifted and much-loved island personality who we lost at Christmas. Today is, in many church traditions, the day we remember the coming of the kings, the wise men from the east with their gifts of gold, frankincense and myrrh. They followed a star that led them to the infant Jesus. And so perhaps We Three Kings is an appropriate music choice to start the programme. Three Kings from the combined voices of the Coventry Singers and the St Michael Singers, conducted by Paul Leddington Wright. 
In early December, AFD Software, the postcode people based at Mountain View Innovation Center on the outskirts of Ramsey, hosted their annual charity night, at which over three million pounds was given away to over 80 local and global charities, including providing a new Cessna Caravan aircraft to enable Mission Aviation Fellowship to take food, medical help and a whole range of other aid to isolated rural communities with no reliable access by road. But all the other charities receiving a donation would also, in their own way, use the money to make life-changing differences to others. And here's a good example. At the charity evening, I spoke with Becky Murray, who travelled to the island to receive a donation for the charity that she founded in 2006. Called One by One, it's dedicated to preventing the exploitation of vulnerable people, particularly young children and teenagers, all over the world. And it all started with a trip to Sierra Leone, 50 pence and a pair of pink flip-flops. Yeah, I was on a trip out to Sierra Leone and I met this little girl who was nine. She was living on the streets and begging from day to day just to get by. And I met this little girl and what astounded me was she didn't have any shoes. Now this is common across a lot of rural parts of Africa, but as a young 20-something-year-old student, this was my first time in Africa and first time of seeing a little child not even having shoes on their feet. And so being a typical student, I was of course broke, but I did have the total of 50 pence with me. And so with my 50 pence, I bought a little pink pair of flip-flops from the marketplace didn't really think much more about it. That evening she approached me and she said, Becky, should I wait in the hotel for you? So as we were literally just heading out, so I was like, no, what are you talking about? And she said, yes, but shouldn't I wait in your bedroom? And I think if this little nine-year-old had asked maybe one of the guys on the team, not that that would have been okay, but I would have understood the question. But for a nine-year-old to ask another 20-something-year-old girl if she should wait in her bedroom, I literally couldn't process what the girl was asking. So I asked her a third time and sure enough, nine-year-old Felicity thought that I'd spent 50 pence on a pair of flip-flops because I was buying her body and she was willing to give it. And something in me that day just broke. It's, it's irreparable. Once a nine-year-old looks you in the eye and thinks you deserve their body for 50 pence. And so I made a promise right there in that moment that I'll give my whole life to this because not one person, let alone a child, should think that they can be bought and sold for any price, let alone something like 50 pence. I can see in your face as you're telling me this story how moved you are and yet you must have told this story quite a few times because it perfectly encapsulates what your charity does but it still moves you so, so deeply. So let's just stop a moment and just explore your background. So you were in Sierra Leone as a student. What, have you got a faith-filled background and did you grow up in a Christian environment? That's right, yeah. So I come from a Christian family and was over there on a short-term missions trip just from a local church. But at the time, I was studying to be a paediatric nurse. So children and the welfare of children was already something I was passionate about. But I don't think anything could have prepared me for a little girl to look me in the eyes and think that, that I was buying her. And to this day, every time I share that story, and you're right, I get asked to speak on that story in conferences all around the world. I've had the honour this year of being in 10 Downing Street and the White House. And again, just sharing how it started, it, it makes me, me cry every time. 
And in one sense, I hope that never stops because it should never be normal. And in another sense, we use it to reach that next one child, that next one family, that next one village with the work that One by One is now doing to help end slavery. So what did you do to get started? How did you do it? Well, it all started out in Kenya first. We started a residential centre out there for children that were at risk of exploitation. Many of them had been abandoned and neglected and were already being exploited. And so we started a small residential centre out there and little did I know where that would lead. And so it was after being out there that I had several mums starting to approach me, asking for prayer because their kids were missing. I started asking a lot of the local schools to see what was happening and found out that human trafficking was happening right there in the little village where we're based in Kenya. And so we started kind of working in this anti-slavery sector. I almost say by accident, but I actually don't believe it was by accident at all. And then from there, we've now been able to impact more than 40,000 children. A lot of the work we do is based around prevention because our heart is if we can get to the kids before the traffickers, that's the biggest win of all. And so we do lots of different things, whether that's going into schools, giving reusable sanitary products, because one of the main things in rural districts is girls dropping out of school early due to period poverty. So if we can tackle that issue, along with raising awareness and teaching around trafficking, then we can combat that problem. But alongside that prevention work is actually working alongside frontline medical staff. So we've done it in clinics and hospitals across Kenya and Uganda because we discovered that actually the one time that someone trapped in slavery might be able to engage with help from a professional is due to medical reasons. So, for example, if a girl is trapped in a brothel and she's got yet another STD, her trafficker will allow her to go to the hospital to deal with that not because they're concerned about her health, but because they want her back in the brothel making the profits. And so if we can train up medical staff of the red flags to look out for, that actually this patient might not just be a patient, but they could be a victim of modern day slavery, then we've got a window of opportunity to engage with them. So then we teach the medical staff, A, what to look out for, but then after that, here's what to do, And here's not what to do, because actually, if you say the wrong thing in front of a trafficker, you could put that person in more danger. And I would imagine flowing on from that, fear is the biggest thing that you have to overcome. Absolutely. Yeah, that's true. So a lot of our staff are trauma informed. So we, we teach them of how to correctly approach this. Within that, we also work with police across Uganda, training police in the city of Jinja of how to correctly identify, because you're you're quite right. Some victims are scared to even come forward because previously they know people who, girls maybe have come forward asking for help and they've been criminalized as prostitutes. And so we're starting to do a lot of training with the local police there to identify, actually, this person's not involved in a criminal activity. This is a victim of slavery. They're forced into sex trafficking. And so by doing that training and the trauma-informed side of it, so then how they correctly can interview that person to not re-traumatise them from what they've gone through. And it's not just sexual trafficking. You were talking about young children, very young children, making bricks, doing hard work that they should never, ever be doing. Absolutely. So we were asked to go over to Pakistan back in 2018 for what I thought would be a one-off trip with our Dignity Project, which is one of our prevention programmes that delivers the reusable sanitary products and the training. 
But while I was out there, the person who's actually gone on to become our director out there took me into a brick factory. Now, I'd heard of this from, from the, my, our Pakistani director, but to walk around brick factories and see literally three- and four-year-olds making bricks with their bare hands, and there are 20,000 brick factories across Pakistan. Now, some of the factories are small with maybe 10, 20 families, others slightly larger, but that means there are literally thousands of men, women, and children working in bonded labor. And to see that these children are born into bonded labor, they're born into the brick factories, so they never learn how to read and write. All they know how to do is make bricks. And so one of the works that One by One does is to launch a safe house. We launched it back in 2019. And so far, we've managed to get 85 kids out of slavery in Pakistan there in the brick kilns. There's 50 million people currently trapped in modern-day slavery. That's bigger than when slavery used to be legal generations ago. So the fact that somehow we've got into this state is just tragic. It's, it's the biggest human crisis of our time. But sometimes with a number like 50 million, it becomes so overwhelming because where do you start? And sometimes the temptation is if, if we can't fix it all, we'll do nothing at all. But our heart is that we can stop for the one that's right in front of us today. If we just have our eyes open to see the people in our car washers, in our nail salons, trafficking's not just happening in other parts of the world, it's happening on our doorsteps too. And so if we would just have eyes to see the ones that we come across day in, day out that we might not even realize. And the power of that is if we can do it for one and have that mentality every single day, we can make a big impact. And it stops us being so overwhelmed by the sheer amount of need that exists in the world currently. I'm talking here with Becky Murray, founder and chief executive officer of One by One, a charity that works internationally to prevent the exploitation of vulnerable young children and teenagers. So what, I wondered, does support from AFD Software the postcode people mean to her charity the postcode people have been incredible to us we only met them this year but it's made a massive massive difference so they helped us we only launched into uganda this year and they really helped towards that and then they've helped us also we're launching this year into rwanda also to do prosecutions we found out that there's literally hundreds of cases of child trafficking and yet not one of them have been prosecuted Um, We believe it's time to see a difference with that. And so we're standing for justice, not only for the children and their families, but also to send out the wider message that trafficking will not be tolerated. And so the postcode people have given significantly towards that to help us launch that into Rwanda as well. Because surely if they see prosecutions being brought then it's got to be some kind of a deterrent, hasn't it? Exactly that. While ever there's no prosecutions, they're just going to keep doing it, keep multiplying it. But if they see that there's consequences to this, then I pray it will stop many. It really is faith in action, isn't it? Absolutely. We can all play our part to bring down the giant of slavery one by one. And if you'd like to know more about Becky Murray and the charity she founded called One by One, there's a website with a very easy name, One by One, that's all words, not numbers, with no spaces in between the words, onebyone.net.
over the Christmas holiday, we were all deeply saddened to learn of the death of Marilyn Cannell, a gifted musician who shared her talents so generously and gave so much to the arts on the island. And tonight on Sundown, our weekly local music feature will be devoted to celebrating Marilyn's involvement in the Guild, the Manx Music Festival. But now I want to acknowledge the inspirational way in which Marilyn shared her Christian faith. She was a popular Methodist local preacher and a regular contributor to our Thought for the Day feature here on Manx Radio. And I've selected just a few of her many wise and often witty reflections mixed with extracts from one of her many musical compositions. Marilyn's Celtic Cantata drew together a selection of existing words and music from the Celtic tradition, together with new music composed by Marilyn herself. The singers are Karen Elliott and Amanda Griffin, and the pianist is, of course, Marilyn Cannell. asks, when can I stay out later than half past ten like all my friends do? And young couples ask, when will we ever be able to afford to buy a house in the Isle of Man? Throughout our lives, we spend a lot of time thinking about the future, looking forward to exams being finished, or the dark days of winter being over and gone. These are things we can put a definite time scale on, but there are other things that we cannot predict accurately. When shall we expect the next Ice Age? When will David Beckham cut his hair? We waste far too much of our time wishing our lives away. So busy looking into the future that we fail to live our lives to the full today. Let us enjoy what we have today. Let us appreciate what is good, true and lovely in the world here and now. In the Old Testament, The Israelites were looking forward to a time when the Messiah would appear. When Jesus began his earthly ministry, he said, The time has come. The kingdom of God that Jesus came to show us is here. The time has come. Don't keep asking, when?
world seems to be fascinated by who is the best, the fastest, the richest, the greatest. Of course, Muhammad Ali knew he was and took great delight in telling everybody so. Are we genuinely seeking information, just being plain nosy, or getting to be obsessed with grading everything around us in order of merit as we perceive it? The Bible tells us that one day the disciples were arguing amongst themselves. When questioned by Jesus, they reluctantly told him they were discussing which of them was the greatest. It wasn't any of them, Jesus said, that a child was the greatest. The person who is always thinking himself superior will never be so. The greatest in the kingdom of God is the individual who humbles himself and becomes like a child, able to open his heart and mind to the true wisdom and to delight in the world around him. One of our most popular hymns today is How Great Thou Art, and we are referring to God. How great thou art. Do we really mean it? Is he the greatest thing in your life? Now that's a big question. have one last big question, perhaps the biggest question of them all. What's it all about? Do you ever think about it? After all, it is the privilege of human beings to do that. I mean, you won't find a sheep contemplating whether its wool is curly enough, or an oak tree agonising over its position in the millennium wood. But we can use abstract thought and reason with ourselves. Or are we all just too busy doing things? I find I need silence for these thoughts, though I must confess that music can put me in the right frame of mind. I can stand and look at the horizon, knowing that the earth curves away and I can't see it, but I know it's there. I can look at the intricate design of a small flower like a crocus and forget all about the cycles and programmes on my fan-assisted oven. I can watch children playing and see their expressive faces, which have far more character than the latest face of Revlon makeup. Whoever or whatever we perceive God to be, we know what he stands for. Something greater than all the cleverness that man can use and manipulate. Things that are good and uplifting in our poor, cynical world. The promise of a better and hopeful future. Peace for the soul. And love, the greatest thing of all. Yes, that's what it's all about.
gifted musician, teacher, Methodist local preacher and good friend to so many, Marilyn Cannell, who died at Christmas and whose life will be celebrated in a service in Kirkmichael Methodist Church this Thursday at half past one. We offer our sincere condolences to Marilyn's family. May she rest in peace and rise in glory. And now, some notice board news. There's an epiphany service this afternoon at 3 o'clock in St. Adonan's Lonnon Old Church. It'll be led by Reverend Alessandra Di Chiara with a warm welcome for all. On Friday evening, there's a chance to discover some beautiful, simple Taizé chants sung in Manx. This will be led by the Manx Language Development Officer, Ruth Keggin-Gell, and it will be held at Tide of A, our independent Christian retreat house in Peel. You might also know it as Ballawattleworth House on Tinwell Road in Peel. The evening will begin at six o'clock with a workshop led by Ruth, and that will be followed by a tasty supper and time to chat. And the evening will close at around half past eight with a gentle time of worship using the chants that we'll have learned. The evening is free, but if you feel able to make a donation, that would be most welcome. There's just a few places left. Please contact quickly if you'd like to reserve one. The number to phone is 609 299. 609 299. And then the following morning, Saturday the 13th, from half past nine to half past twelve, God Speaks Manx too, yes sir. Introducing Manx into church life and worship, again led by Ruth Keggin-Gell and again held at Tide of A, Ballawattleworth House on Tinwald Road in Peel. Next Saturday morning, you'll discover simple ways to incorporate Manx into church life and worship. This workshop will cover simple responses, prayers and blessings, conversational phrases of welcome and much more. Refreshments will be served on arrival from 9am. The workshop starts at half past nine. This is a free event, but donations are always welcome. There's an option to stay on for a snack and sandwich lunch, giving the opportunity to practice a little more Manx. There is a charge for the lunch, it's £8 per person, and it's the same contact number to reserve a place for Saturday morning, 609 299. And if you'd like to practice a little more Manx next weekend, you'll be made most welcome at a bilingual service at Ballabeg Methodist Chapel next Sunday evening at half past six. This is an ideal service for those who are new to Manx as well as for fluent speakers. There'll be soloists and refreshments, and the theme is Hidden Treasures. It'll be led by Reverend Dr Janet Corlett and Reverend Jill Newton, President of the Methodist Conference, who's visiting the island next weekend. We look forward to welcoming the President, Reverend Jill Newton, and Vice President, Kerry Scarlett, who are the joint leaders of the Methodist Church in Scotland, Wales and England, along with the Isle of Man, the Channel Islands and Shetland. 
and you're invited to meet both our visitors at a special Circuit Covenant service next Saturday the 13th at 3 o'clock at Crosby Methodist Church. The service will be followed by refreshments and a chance to talk with President Reverend Jill Newton and Vice President Kerry Scarlett. Everyone is welcome. And finally, looking forward to next Sunday, the 14th, there's a special service of Evensong in St Thomas's Church here in Douglas in Finch Road, just behind the Gaiety Theatre, when the choir from St Peter's Church in Onken will join the choir of St Thomas's to sing Evensong in St Thomas's Church. Evensong is a really lovely service. If you've never experienced it before, this would be a great time to try it. St Thomas's next Sunday night at half past six. And I'm afraid that's all that we have time for now, but I'll be back later in our virtual lounge tonight from nine o'clock with our usual mix of easy listening music, your requests and your dedications. I do hope you can join me then. And so, until whenever we meet again, this is Judith saying thank you for listening and I wish you and those you love a blessed and joyful start to this new year and a very good morning. Mm-hmm.